You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip-syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. And welcome to another episode of the Family Gamers Podcast. This is episode 358. Hey, hey, hello, everybody. We are super excited to be doing another show. We have a special, special show this week. We've got a lot of games to talk about. But first, who are we? We are the Family Gamers, as always. I'm your host, Andrew. <laughs> and I am joined by my lovely and wonderful and once again mocking me wife, Anitra. That's me. I wasn't mocking you. you are you sure? Yes. Okay. Are you really, really sure? I, I never can believe her. <laughs> All right, anyway, we do have a good show for you. We have a For Science segment this week. Halloween-themed For Science. I don't know if it's real. I mean, it's kind of... Anyway, I'm looking forward to that because I always like trying weird foods. We, of course, are going to talk about what we've been playing. We are going to talk about the monthly report for October. And then, Anitra, what are we going to cover for our topic this week? We are going to talk about The Family Gamer's Holiday Board Game Gift Guide. That's right. It is November... TM, is that what you said? TM? Oh, TM. Trademark. It is <laughs> now. November. That means that we have pretty much started the holiday season. I am one of those people who starts listening to Christmas music in the month of November. On November 1st. I mean, it, it wasn't okay. It wasn't overwhelmingly Christmas. Right. I but, mean, first of all, I listen to Christmas music that's like 500 years old. So, best kind of Christmas music. Yeah. I mean, that's true. Right. So, no more <laughs> I carry and hopefully no wham, but still Christmas music in the house on November 1st. Anyway, so we are going to talk about the holiday gift guide, and then in a couple of weeks, hopefully, we're going to talk about the video game gift guide that our partners over at Engage Family Gaming do. That's the plan. Yeah. But in the meantime, we're going to talk facts and sponsor messages and what sure. we've been playing. All right. Let's start with a fact. So this is episode 358, like you said. Our fact this week is that there is a game called 358. Did you know this, Anitra? I had no idea. Yeah, it is also known as Sergeant Major for its popularity among members of the Royal Air Force. 358 is a trick-taking game for three players using a standard 52-card deck. It may be played as a gambling game, and there are many variations with names like 853 and 952 played throughout the world. Cool. Board game-themed fact. Yeah, right? So there's, you know, rules for this on Wikipedia that I would say, you know, if you have three people and you want to figure out how to play a new game and you have a deck of cards, you could certainly give this one a shot. Of course, if we're going to talk about trick-taking games, we're going to talk about some other things, but we'll get into that after our sponsor message. You know how when you're playing a game and there's something that gives you bonus points at the end of the game, like the bonus for getting butterflies back to Mexico in the game Mariposas? It's almost always a good strategy to try and get those points. In real life, there are also a few of these opportunities for bonus points with your personal finances. One of the easiest to take advantage of is your employer 401k match. Another example is making sure both spouses are maximizing their social security benefits and not getting hit with the government pension offset. Or maximizing your retirement savings so it can grow now before you need it later. If you need help seeing which areas of your personal finance you should be focusing on, Visit firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers and schedule a time today to talk with First Move. Thanks so much to First Move Financial for sponsoring another episode of the show. Anitra, it's what we've been playing time. 
Yeah, let's talk about some games. Let's get right into it. The first thing on here is something you're going to hear about during the break, and that is the game CDSK. What in the world (laughs) is this? Curious, delightful, I've already forgotten what S stands for, and K is knowledge. Right. Yeah, it's Uh, not silly. I remember that. No, it's the school of life, like adulting topics. Adulting. It should be CDAK, (laughs) CDAC. No. Uh (laughs) Um, No, it's a really cool trivia game. Very surprisingly freeform for a trivia game that has a board (laughs) that -hmm. you have to go along. Mm -hmm. And really cool. You can rank your confidence on a subject before you get a question. And that ranking determines what question you get and how far you're going to move along the board if you get your answer right. So we played, uh, what do we do? Boys versus girls? That was what we did. Uh, we did boys versus girls when it was just the family. And we also did boys versus girls when we had some friends over. <laughs> Man, uh, it's a trend. No, um, but I don't know. Look, the game is, is cute and fun and casual. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's things like, if you want to play a full game, it's about 47 minutes long or something yeah. like that. And if you yeah. want to play a short game, it's about 21 minutes long. It's definitely got that kind of unseriousness. Although I do take umbrage at, uh, there's there's uh, Christmas questions and the level one Christmas question, or maybe it's Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Christmas movies. Is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And according to the card, it says that the answer is either yes or no. It says both yes and no are correct. Yeah, but that's yep. not the correct answer. The correct answer is yes, it is clearly a Christmas movie. <laughs> I mean, I read that to say if you can convince the person holding the card uh, of that, your answer. That they're wrong? There are arguments to be made in both <laughs> directions, and mm-hmm. it didn't come out at Christmas time. Yeah, whatever. I am going to point no, that I'm, out. No. I am in agreement with you that it's a Christmas movie. How about Disney Animated? We... uh <laughs> We've been playing Disney. <laughs> How's that for a transition? <laughs> you know what? I got to be honest with you. Like a lot of people said that Disney animated was good. And I didn't, I didn't know if it was really going to be good. And then the first time we took it out, there's all these pieces and all this stuff going on. I really like this game. I do too. It's one of those where it takes the subject matter and does really weave it very nicely into the structure of the game. This is another one of those where this really couldn't be anything other than classic Disney animated movies, not without making a huge amount of changes. Well, I mean, you could you could probably theme it as some other kind of movie thing or some kind of uh, project that required a bunch of different parts to complete the whole or something to that effect. But I, I think that they just did a really, really good job putting this together in this way. Yeah. And... I found it to be respectful to the subject matter, right? In a way that made it feel like everything that you were doing was a really conscious decision by the designers to make it something that actually had, you know, something to do with the process of making cartoons at Disney. Yeah. And it's one of those where there are five different movies represented and everybody picks what movie they're working on Mm -hmm. for any particular game. And they really do all... feel a little different like all of your main mechanics are the same but you've got a couple of specific things targeted to each movie and those really do make it feel kind of asymmetrical which is interesting in a in a co-op game that you know it's sort of that player powers idea but in a way that does feel very thematic i'm gonna say this so i'm pretty on the record for really enjoying art in games 
but I'm I gotta say there is something about classic Disney art. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about the way they draw characters. There's something about the way they put illustration together that it's just it's got a really special affect to it that is I don't know. It's just inimitable would be a good word. Right? <laughs> That's a, that is a good word for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But it's captured really nicely in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, every player has three characters that they're trying to get onto their own player boards and each one of them is a unique piece of art from their Disney movie and they're on these like clear cards and it just I mean they really pop right they just did a really good job putting this thing together from a graphic design perspective it's really good I think like honestly my biggest complaint is that the I'm gonna call them puzzle pieces of the backgrounds that fit make together the backgrounds, a little bit yeah. too tightly yeah. And it's just a little bit of a nuisance, but like, I mean, if that's the complaint, like, come on, right? Well, it's funny because that makes me think of another Disney themed game with those kind of puzzle pieces, which is the Mickey's Christmas Carol game that's really for younger kids. And that's kind of what I feared that one was going to be like. And it's not that one. The puzzles fit together just right. Yeah. They are they are neither too loose nor too tight. Um, so in Disney animated, they're just a little bit too tight. But I think I'd rather that than have them sliding around and falling out. So it's mildly annoying, but it's worth it. And I love the fact that, yeah, you've got these characters and the specific background of some scene from that movie as well. Mm-hmm. And so it really does all just fit together very nicely. Not just in the graphic design, but the graphic design is sort of emblematic of how everything else works. Yeah, I mean, it really does have such a nice, like, classic look to it. I just, it looks great. I mean... I sit there and I play this and I'm like, man, I need an expansion with like the Sword in the Stone and Robin Hood. I know, and, right? Ugh, ugh. So good. Disney animated. Great game. Speaking of classic looks, <laughs> uh, the last game that we'll talk about right now is that we picked up Space Explorers and started playing it again in preparation to review the expansion modules. Yeah, the Age of Ambition. The Age of Ambition expansion has like seven modules in it. So this is going to be some kind of review period to make sure we get through them all. It says in the rules you play with three at a time. I mean, I know, but still, you know, to get a fair <laughs> shake, it's... Whew. We're going to need a couple of plays. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So, man, I don't know. But I really like Space Explorers as a game. You know, it is definitely like Splendor on steroids in a lot of ways, and I like the feeling of the game i guess the color palette that they the relatively muted color palette like i think it really captures that kind of space age you know like late 60s kind of thing yeah oh yeah and i think they did a really smart thing with the way that they reuse art in this so that Mm -hmm. um you know you, you can associate things together really quickly but they're still a little bit different because the zoom levels are different yeah i don't know i kind of like it Space Explorers is just, it's a really unique game in that way, and uh, I'm really interested to see what they've changed or adjusted or whatever in the expansion. I am hoping that some of the modules in the expansion can make it feel a little bit more interesting at two players, Mm -hmm. because that's what I remember from when we had played it before as well, which is, I like the game fine, I don't love it, but I like it, but playing it at two players it's really easy for one person to get out ahead quickly and the other person to just not be able to catch up. And that's frustrating. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it it's easy to tell what the other player is going for. And if you've got a little bit of an edge, you can pretty much hate draft them out of the any ability for them to do anything. 
Right, but sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just, you know, some of the goals there are going to be way easier to go for than others, and whoever gets them first gets them first. Yeah, it's possible. So some of that is just the randomness of setup and things like that. So I don't know. I'm hoping that maybe some of these modules will introduce some kind of catch-up mechanism or something. Maybe. It remains to be seen. We'll see. Mm -hmm. All right. It is time for uh, the monthly report. The monthly report. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. I see here, Anitra, that your H-index is a three. My H-index for October is three. The games that push me up there are Fork, Mindspace, and Turbo Kids. I'm looking forward to trying some more Fork, and now that we've played it a few times, I'm ready to try the two-player variant, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll try that tomorrow at breakfast. Maybe. All right. My H-index is two. Okay. The two games are Horrified Greek Monsters and... Well, fork, but also Turbo Kids and Unpublished Prototype. All right. So how many distinct games did you play in October? Uh, 15. Okay. I only played 17. I have 21 plays of 15 unique games. I have 26 plays. So I'd I'd say uh, we were more alike than usual this month. That's true. That's a thing, right? (laughs) But also this month has Thanksgiving in it and a couple of built-in vacation days. So maybe I'll actually get some real game playing in. Oh, this month also has a couple of uh, kid school vacation days besides Thanksgiving. So we'll see how that affects both my game playing and my ability to do family gamers content. Yeah, and your sanity. And it's going to be too cold to send them outside. So oh we'll gosh. see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. 76% of my games were played at home. The other 24% were played at the restaurant that we go to for breakfast. Thursdays and Saturdays is most of my game playing. All right. Fair enough. I mean, that makes sense. Thursdays are usually when we go out for our little breakfast date. Yep. 81% of my games were played at home mm-hmm. with 15% at our favorite little restaurant and the remaining 4% in the car. <laughs> you have an in the car location? I do have That's car hysterical. as a location because we have reached that time of year where it's too cold for me to just like go out and take a walk when I'm waiting for children to be done with things. So <laughs> I just sit in the car and play games. Instead. All right. That's fair. Yeah, my um my gameplay's player count is broken down into roughly, you know, three parts to the pie. One third two player, one third four player, and one third other player count. <laughs> yeah, interestingly, I uh, I played the most games at four players in October. Mm-hmm. That's unusual. Yeah, that is technically true for me. Thirty eight percent of my games are played at four players. So there you go. All right, cool. All right. That is the monthly report. And now, Anitra. Yes. It is time for that segment. For science. Science, 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 science. It's <laughs> been a while since we've done one of these. It has. I don't um, even remember what the last thing was. But I was at the store. I was at the Dollar Tree, actually. Dollar <laughs> Best Tree, place to pick like, up for science. The bottomless pit <laughs> of weird foods for for science. But I saw this and I was picking one up for our son and I showed this to him and he's like, wow, that sounds awesome. And then I was like, you know what? I'll buy a second bag for us to try at home. So what this is, is a sweet chaos drizzled popcorn, candy corn flavor. We are going to have candy corn drizzled popcorn. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to roll over to where Anitra is and grab some popcorn. This already sounds disgusting to me because I don't particularly like candy corn, and it sounds appealing to Andrew, I'm going to guess. Oh, it's even got the color. It's got that, like, orange and yellow, shiny fondant. 
I want to be on record as saying that nature's trying to kill me. You should see how much of the stuff she poured in my hands. I already don't want to eat this. All right. Ah, it's not that bad. Actually, the sort of buttery saltiness of the popcorn really tames down that candy corn flavor. You know what? I'm going to go with a thumbs up on this. I like this stuff. This is good. They can say it's candy corn all they want to. It tastes to me almost more like a white chocolate drizzle. True candy corn is made with fondant. Uh-huh. But you wouldn't be able to take fondant and turn it into something you could drizzle. I thought true candy corn was made with honey. Mm-mm. Brock's has been lying to me this whole time. I mean, maybe Brock's puts a little bit of honey in their candy corn, but the main ingredient is fondant. I'm so and there's confused. like marshmallow flavoring or something. Well, what I do know is this popcorn is good and you can buy it again if you want to and I will eat it. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say I, uh, I don't hate it. I would be willing to eat some more. All right. Well, Anitra, give props to the company that made this stuff. Yeah. Um, so the brand name on here is Sweet Chaos. And for what it's worth, it also advertises on the front of the bag. It is non-GMO, gluten-free. It's made with cane sugar and no high fructose corn syrup. There you go. So uh, right. so good job, random Dollar Tree popcorn. Yeah. Uh, you're actually quite good. <laughs> Sweet Chaos candy corn flavored drizzled popcorn. Who knew? All right, and let's um, let's welcome our new community member before we shoot off for our snap review break. How's that sound? And then we'll have some more of that popcorn. I suppose I could be talked into having some more of this popcorn. All right, excellent. I'm going to open up the welcome by saying welcome to David. Welcome to Brandon. Welcome to Cindy. Welcome to Trevor. And welcome to Matt. We are delighted that you have joined the community. You can uh, contribute, obviously, on Facebook in the Facebook community or head over to Discord at thefamilygamers.com forward slash Discord. To join the board game family community. Tabletop family games. Tabletop family board game community thing that I (laughs) definitely know the name of and definitely don't. But that's okay. It's a whole collection of content creators who do family stuff. And uh, and we'd love to have you there as well. And with that, we're going to talk a little bit more about CDSK in just a moment. You know how sometimes self-help guys tell you to bet on yourself? Well, it turns out there's a new trivia game that lets you do just that, and it's great for family play. It's called CDSK. This is a snap review for CDSK. CDSK is a trivia game for two to four teams, published by Randolph and brought to the USA by Hachette. The rules say you can play the classic game in approximately 47 minutes, or the short game in Around 21 minutes. Let's talk about the art in CDSK. It's a trivia game. It doesn't really need art, other than indicating the spaces on the board, I guess. There are four major categories of questions, and we'll talk about those in a minute. And Fanny Solnier ran with those major categories, putting emblematic artwork on every single spot along the path on the board. There's tons of fun designs here. There's... Really, no significant art on the cards, though, and there's nothing at all on the player pawns because you have to provide those for yourself. Yes, you do. What are the mechanics here? So CDSK is just an initialism. The four major categories of questions in the game are C, curious. Very precise or bizarre subjects like parrots, Al Capone, and Barbie dolls. D, for delightful. This is like movies and music and sports and pop culture 
S for seasoned. Grown-up stuff. Weddings and anniversaries and, and gardening and stuff. And K is for knowledge. Ah, science and nature. History, geography, the school stuff. There's also challenge cards and hurry up and win cards. On your team's turn, a player to your left will draw a card from the same category as the space you're on and read out the subject. We're on D, and this says, on a scale of 1 to 10, how well do you know Christmas movies? <laughs> your team gives a ranking of how you, well you know that subject between 1 and 10. I'm going to go with 3. Then the other person reads out the question associated with that number. 3 says... What is the name of the green character who stole Christmas from the Who's in Whoville? If your team answers correctly, like the Grinch, they move as many spaces as the number you chose. If you answer incorrectly, you don't move. If you're on a challenge space, you'll be answering a challenge card, which may have a single question with a multi-part answer or several small questions. For example, how many non-Simpsons yellow characters can you name? This is so much harder than you think it is. Either way, you do the best you can in 45 seconds or less, then move some number of spaces indicated on the card. Once you get to the end of the path, you're in hurry up and win territory. If you can answer this question correctly, your team immediately wins the game. Anitra, what did we expect from CDSK? The name of the game is strange, and it doesn't give much idea of what kind of questions you're going to be answering. The box looks kind of fun, though. And I like the idea of using on a scale of 1 to 10 to express your confidence in how well you know a subject. I've seen games like this before where you pick the difficulty of a question. We reviewed a game called Camp a long time ago that worked kind of like this. It, It seemed to work well in theory for different ages playing the same game in a family, but in practice it just wasn't really enough. So were you surprised about how it worked here? Yes. (laughs) Those games had a lot fewer options for difficulty and for subjects. And in this game, there's so many, over 2,500 questions, that it worked a lot more seamlessly. When we played, we paired a parent with a child when the kids were involved, and that definitely helped. But there were other times when, just because of the way all the different subjects worked, we'd know we would get something and we'd be like, other people are going to know this, but I'm not, so I'm going to choose a lower number. This game makes me feel good about myself. Even when I don't know much about a subject, questions one and two are still usually doable. Like, if it's an NHL question, it's going to be like, what do the letters NHL stand for? Or something (laughs) like that. When I do know a lot, I can show off. The rest of the time, you can balance how confident you feel with how far you want to go on the board and bump it up or down just a little bit. I think most people are going to stay between four and six most of the time. I do think it's weird that we have to provide our own pond, but it kind of fits with the casual, low-key, flexible nature of this game. You just kind of grab whatever's handy, like paper clips or something, and use that to represent your team. Because there aren't pawns and things like that provided, you really could play this with any number of teams. But more than four teams means waiting a long time for your turn, so maybe make the teams a little larger instead. Mm-hmm. Family trivia games have come a long way since our parents were playing Trivial Pursuit. CDSK adds a difficulty setting that changes with every question, which is cool. Plus, it does have a wide variety, and we appreciate that it doesn't take itself too seriously, kind of like us. We recommend CDSK for gatherings of family and friends, maybe as a nice 
post-dinner pre-dessert activity at your holiday gathering. It's best for teens and adults, but younger kids can certainly join in on teams. We had a great time with our family. Mm-hmm. We're going to rate CDSK three and a half questions out of five. And that's CDSK in, in a, a snap. snap. back. All right. So we already talked about this first half of the show, but we are going to get right into it. This is our 2023 board game gift guide. Now, Anitra, we have done these for a few years now, at least four or five, I guess. I think we started in 2018. All right. So this is our fifth year of doing a board game gift guide. So the way that we break these things down for anybody who hasn't heard this before, hasn't seen one of our guides before, is that we do categories, right? So we have a category for very young children under six Category for early elementary, category for older children, teens and adults. Then we have some family games, some whole family games, some for two games, because we enjoy those special couples games or maybe a date with a kid kind of game. Then, of course, stocking stuffers and then some games for everyone. Maybe, you know, you've got some non-gamers in your life and you want to either play something with them. So you want to pick something up or you want to give them a gift to try to, you know, get them into the hobby. Right. So we have... All of these categories, eight different categories of games, and we're going to go through all of them, probably not super in-depth, but most of these are games that we have reviewed anyway, so when we mention them, you can probably find them on thefamilygamers.com, but yeah, so we're going to run through those and uh, and see where we come out the other side. What do you yeah. think, Anitra? I think it's pretty good, and for what it's worth, I just went and checked. This is actually our eighth board Holy game gift cow. guide. We've been doing it since 2016. We've been doing this a long time. Real long time, guys. Yeah. And I would say that we generally try to put newer games on these lists but if a game really stands out we're not going to replace it so um yeah we have a few more older games on the list this year than we normally would because there are a couple of games that we feel are really great gifts even if they're not brand new mm-hmm. all right so you want to get right into it anitra we're going to start with games for the very young so as we talked about with all of our top 10 lists for very young children Kids under six are still learning how to play board games in general, like taking turns and following rules, and they're not trying to read things, and they need really simple stuff that lets them practice motor skills, practice matching, usually ones that don't make a really big deal out of winning. Like, yes, there's a winner, but it's not a, you know, maybe everybody can finish the game. So we picked three of our favorites for kids under six. Two of which are new, and one of which is less new. <laughs> Our first pick is Stamp Farm. So we reviewed this this past year. It's sort of a my first roll and write game, because you're not even writing. You're rolling dice, and then you're using stamps on your big score sheet. There is some scoring in this game, but it's really just counting, um, and counting in a couple of different categories. So you could start playing this game with even a three-year-old or a four-year-old and just not worry about the scoring, just trying to follow the rules of how you can place animals into your farm. And then as they get a little older, you can add the scoring in. There's also options to add a little bit more strategy as they're ready for it. Yeah, at its most rudimentary level, Stamp Farm is a pattern matching game where... Mm -hmm. You're trying to stamp the correct thing that that matches with the dice that you roll, but you're trying to do them in strategic ways. But maybe that doesn't really matter for a super young kid. Yeah, so we picked this for two reasons. One is that it can grow across several years of age range. And the other one is because it's stamps. And little kids love 
Stamping things. Who doesn't love stamping? I mean, I mean really, everybody loves stamping things. <laughs> yes. Our next one is a repeat from last year. It's the Disney It's a Small World game. It's based on the ride of the same name, the It's a Small World ride. It is surprisingly engaging. Like, this is a game I would always be willing to play with a little kid. Yeah, this is a game that actually really surprised me. You are basically riding in the boat, and the board is kind of turning around you a little bit. You're moving, but also the board is rotating a little bit, and... You are, it's, it's kind of like a find the item. A, a seek and find a kind of game. That's, yeah. what, that's what I'm looking for. But it's really well put together. It's just, it's well crafted. Like the materials fit together well. It feels a lot more sturdy than it has any right to be. It's just a very well made game. And it's got the right level of gaminess mm-hmm. to stay interesting for kids who aren't quite so young. Right, right, right. <laughs> was a no-brainer to remain on our list from previous years. And the third game in this section is actually another game that's got kind of a Disney theme, and this is Mickey's Christmas Carol. It's perfect for this time of year. Yeah, and the puzzles here are really satisfying, uh, but simple enough for preschoolers. The puzzles are eight pieces, and they give you the background picture for where each piece goes, so it's really well suited for that sort of toddler into preschooler age range but again it's one of those where you can increase the gaminess of the game as you get used to playing it we reviewed this last year and it currently lives in our christmas decorations box and we plan to pull it out this year and play it again at least me and the nine-year-old so this is definitely a game that has some staying power if you treat it as a seasonal game yeah i think Mickey Christmas Carol, I don't think a hardcore gamer, adult gamer is going to be like, yeah, this game is engaging, but it's not so trite that it's painful to play. It's just not very difficult if you're an adult. So it's a really nice kind of a seasonal game to pull out to play with your kids. And unlike the first two games in this section of our list, this one is cooperative. So If you have little kids who really can't deal with losing, this is an awesome choice. Hmm? Plus, it's Mickey Mouse. I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Anitra. Let's move up a little bit. This was games for under six. Now let's move into the early elementary section. This is games for six-year-olds to nine-year-olds. So we're still avoiding reading in these games for the most part, but these are games that feel more like games. They're ones that have a little bit more going on, but without being all that challenging as far as the base level skills. So we're opening with an oldie, but a goodie. Oh yeah, tell me about it. (laughs) Our first choice this year is Monza. Monza is not a new game, but Monza is a fantastic racing game that is perfect for this age range. Once again, it's one of those games where it's got enough complexity that Adults will feel satisfied playing it, even with their kids. And it's specifically designed to help kids learn about sequencing. You roll a whole bunch of dice, and then you get to decide what order you use those dice in to move on the different colored spaces around the track. Yeah, Monza is one of those games that is incredibly simple, but feels like it's got enough meat on its bones that as adults, you probably could play it almost like a filler game, I guess. Yeah, I actually saw a video uh, the other day of people talking about preschool games and the the hardcore gamers in there were kind of poo-pooing them. 
And then they pulled out Monza and they're like, oh, this looks cute. And they started doing, they're like, wow, this is really fun. Let's keep going. Let's finish the game. So it's not just us. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I, if you as a parent like games like Downforce, Monza is a great game to get for your kids. Yeah, it really is. All right, next is another game that we reviewed. This game is from Lucky Duck Kids, and this is Turtle Splash. Turtle Splash is a really interesting game because it combines a dexterity game and a memory game at the same time. Well, and that means that it actually levels the playing field a little bit between kids and their parents, because Mm. parents are generally going to be better at the flicking motor skill part, but worse at the memory part. (laughs) (laughs) So... You flick a disc down the little river, and depending on where it lands, you can flip over one, two, or three of the little tiles with baby animals on them. The more of those baby animals you match in order with the paths that you have on your specific player board, the faster you'll get to the end of your player board, and whoever gets to the end of their player board first wins the game. So parents might be getting two and three flips every time, Younger kids might only get one, but younger kids are so much better at memory that there's not really an advantage here. And this is the kind of memory game that encourages everybody to stay engaged the whole time to see what's out there on the board. Mm -hmm. And it's super cute. It's full of baby animals and it's adorable. The thing about this that makes it so great for multiple age ranges, you know, so you could play with your kids is that there's guardrails on either side of this ramp that you can very easily take off or put back on. And so as an adult, you can take them off and you've got to be a lot more precise. Whereas as a kid, you can put these rails on and you can just kind of whack the turtle guy and he'll go down and the rails (laughs) will kind of keep it more or less in place. But I found it incredible how hard it was for me to switch my headspace from dexterity headspace to memory headspace. Yes. And just the fact that I would have to go back and forth made it incredibly difficult for me to remember where all the icons were. It was surprising how hard it was for me. It does actually make it more challenging for younger kids as well, but probably less so than it does for adults. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Our last recommendation for this early elementary range does have some rating. This is Kids Chronicles Quest for the Moonstones, which we also recommended last year. It's an interactive story puzzle that requires you to use a smartphone or a tablet to show you the story. And that does mean that one player needs to be a strong reader. There's not really voice acting in this game. It's all just text on a screen. However, when we first did this, uh, at the time our youngest was seven, and he had hours of fun playing this with his grandma and solving the puzzles together and trading off reading because he was getting strong, but he wasn't perfect yet. So sometimes he would give it to grandma and let grandma read it for him. Because of what we witnessed in that experience, we still highly recommend this. If you've already bought it in the past, there is also an expansion available uh, with more story and more things to do. All right. So that is our recommendations for early elementary, six to nine-year-olds, roughly. Those are three games that really fit that age range well but now we're going to get into some games for some slightly older kids 10 plus maybe not quite teenagers but in that kind of tween preteen kind of an age and we're really getting by the way at this point into games that you could totally play as adults you could totally play as teenagers whatever and even younger kids might be able to play some of these games depending on their reading capabilities and things like that but these are games that we think 
fit really, really well into that 10 plus age range. Yeah, basically, this category and then our teens and adults category are really different just based on what the theme is. And if we think that theme is going to be more of a draw for kids or for teenagers. And the first one here is a game that we talked about a while ago and we really, really enjoyed. And that is Her Story from Underdog Games. Her Story is an awesome history-themed game with a minimal amount of reading. You're matching symbols between these tiles you can collect and cards, and then you're collecting the cards to make a whole book full of short biographies of all of these fascinating women. It's one of those games that is quote-unquote an educational game, but you can play it not really caring about the education aspect, except you're going to learn something because it's it's just too appealing not to mm. read the names and the biographies and find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yep, I totally agree. It's a very simple set collection game at its kind of core, but there's so much great content that you can learn as you play the game. When we played this, we had our kids read the story of the ladies that they were putting in their books as they you know bound them in. And it was just kind of a cool way to share all of those stories uh, from women around the world who have done some incredible things. Our next choice is Junk Drawer, which we reviewed just a couple of weeks ago. This is less uh, socially impactful <laughs> <laughs> than her story, but, but maybe more relatable. No less fun. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> so in Junk Drawer, this is a simultaneous play game. So if you've got kids with shorter attention spans, this is pretty helpful for that as well. You have four squares on your individual player board, and you're flipping over a card that represents the piece of junk that everybody has to put into one of their drawers uh, at the same time. And it really becomes this puzzle. There's some variable goals that can be easy, medium, or hard. You set those up at the beginning of the game, and your goal basically is to achieve those goals better than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, So there's a little bit of math here. But it's both a, you know, score sheet kind of math and a geometry shape rotation kind of a math. <laughs> Once we started playing this, we we basically couldn't stop. And the theme is relatable enough that even a 10 or 11 year old is going to be like, oh, yeah, man, let me figure out how to put the headphones in here next to the keys next to the post-it notes. <laughs> I mean, and it's it's very relatable, too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, the next one on our list, this is a game that I love playing so much. This is a battle game called Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances. So in this game, you get to choose your favorite Disney and Pixar characters, put them on a team, and fight your opponent. We've talked a lot in the past about a game called Prisma Arena. Disney Sorcerer's Arena Epic Alliances reminds us a lot of that game where it is really... It's a battle game, but it's not dark and gory battle. It's almost like a friendly sparring kind of thing, it feels like. Yeah, you're just knocking out your opponents for points, basically. And then they rejoin the battle on their next turn. Mm-hmm. Original Disney artwork. Everything is, of course, all licensed. There's a bunch of expansions for it. It's really, really a lot of fun. It's very simple to understand. And uh, we really enjoy it. I especially like knocking out Gaston. <laughs> Although Dr. Facilier is nasty. Yes. Yes, he is. Very, very nasty. Reminds you why he's a villain. Ugh. 
our last recommendation in this age range is King of Tokyo. We had not recommended this one before, but this game is a classic for a reason. So many kids are going to enjoy playing as a giant kaiju monster in an oversized battle game where you're rolling dice, attacking each other, and trying to kick each other out of the city of Tokyo. For those who do like a little bit more metaphorical violence, this fits really well. But there are multiple ways to win even here. You can do it by kicking everybody else out and just kind of outlasting them. Or you can do it by gaining points in a different way. This is a great game for older kids and and for teenagers. I do also want to point out that new this year is King of Monster Island. So this uses a lot of the same basic mechanics of King of Tokyo, but it's a cooperative game where you play together against the board. This is a game that we hope we'll take a look at. We haven't had the opportunity yet, but if you're hearing kaiju and battles and stuff like that, and that sounds interesting to you, but you know that the kids in your life don't really like beating each other up, you do have an option in King of Monster Island. Yeah. All right, let's move on to that teens and adults category Ugh. that we already hinted at. Teens and adults are so annoying. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. We are adults after all. <clears throat> Wait, are we annoying? Are we annoying? Yes. According to our teenagers, we are. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, the first one in this category, this is a little bit more laid back of a nice route building game, kind of, is Starry Night Sky from Buffalo Games. Starry Night Sky is gorgeous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You are discovering constellations in the sky, but as you complete constellations, you can move further and further afield on the map. You're never going to fill in everything, so there's definitely choices to make here and compromises but it is very laid back and it feels almost cooperative-ish it's certainly not an antagonistic game in any way because adding to constellations completing constellations can really only help or possibly not affect the other players at the table it's never going to hurt them although you know you might have gotten in the way of their plans a little bit but it's still probably going to help them yeah, it's just a fun game, and I, I really enjoy the fact that it's not really super competitive. I mean, you're you're obviously competing with each other, but it's not like a ticket to ride or something like that where you're like just going after each other. Yeah, you can't block in any way. Yeah, yeah. So that is Starry Night Sky. You can find that at like Target and Walmart and stuff like that. So it's yeah. pretty easy to find. Or you know, on Amazon with our affiliate link. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's, yeah. There. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. All right. <laughs> Next is the game Raw. So, this is a game that's been around for a long time, but it recently enjoyed a re release from 25th Century Games. This is a just wonderful, simple bidding game. Yeah. I mean, it's a Reiner Kinesia open bidding game. <laughs> mm. He does a lot of those or uses that mechanic a lot. Ra is a bidding and set collection game, really. So you've got several different kinds of set collection in how all of your different tiles can score. And the open bidding is done in a way that I haven't seen anywhere else. Your options for bids are really, really restricted, and everyone can see what your options are. Uh, so that definitely changes how the bidding works in an interesting way, and in some ways makes it simpler. Although we're recommending this for teens and adults, our nine-year-old really enjoyed playing. Yeah, which honestly I was kind of surprised by, but he really liked it and it was clear that he understood what he was doing, Yeah, which is important as well. So definitely recommend Raw. Gorgeous, gorgeous production. Incredible job oh, it's from beautiful. 25th century. 
And speaking of beautiful, we have one more beautiful game in we this do. category. We do. And that is Flamecraft. This game has a little bit of everything. It's got worker placement. It's got some set collection, some hand management. It has adorable dragons that you place as a flame keeper. You're putting them in various shops around the town, unlocking new shops and building up these uh, these special victory points so that you can win. Yeah, and it's got almost an engine building-ish kind of feel because it's got that comboing that always feels really good in engine building games. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That if you you could set up a turn and then, oh, well, I put this dragon, which lets me do this, and then that lets me do this, and that lets me do this. It's really, really satisfying in that way. And although there's a lot in this game, it is not too long, unless you play with five players. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, the game moves, right? So. It's not something that feels like it's dragging along as you play the game. Exactly. It might it might be dragging dragon along. along? But, yeah. <laughs> we uh. went for the same joke. Ugh. Terrible. All right. So those are our games for teens and adults. Starry Night Sky, Raw, and Flamecraft. And uh, let's move into some games for the whole family, shall we? All right. So when we're talking about the whole family, there are two main things that I had in mind. Whole family means these games are best at three players or more. And little... Five or six-year-old Jimmy should have a chance to play in a meaningful way. (laughs) So not a lot of reading and not speed games. Mm. Our first choice here is Roll to the Top Journeys. Uh, This is the new implementation of a game called Roll to the Top. I loved this game when we first tried it this summer. You're getting to climb landmarks by writing in numbers on your whiteboard In more or less ascending order, you get those numbers by rolling dice. Everybody has the same numbers every round, and every round one player gets to either add a die, take away a die, or swap out one die for another. So you get this kind of slow motion race, and it's definitely simple enough for younger kids to understand because the only arithmetic here is, is this number at least as big as the numbers directly underneath it. it it's comparison. It's not even like adding. Well, I mean, there is. A I mean, there bit is of adding of, of the dice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in this game, obviously, you have the ability to just write in the numbers that are on the die faces, but you can also add die faces together to come up with numbers that you can put into these places as well. And that's kind of how this thing continues to grow and grow and grow. And you go up higher and higher. Well, maybe that's how you do it. <laughs> I try to keep writing in ones as long as possible. I mean, yeah, that's the goal, but eventually you're going to have to add something together. Yeah, I know. I know. (laughs) All right. The next one is a game. I have never met anybody who didn't like this game. In fact, I have presented this game to people and said, I guarantee you, you will like this game. And they've been skeptical and then come back to me and said, you know what? I didn't believe you, but you were right. And that game is Green Team Wins. So Green Team Wins is... A quick, silly game. If you buy it at Target, the Target version supports up to six players, but you can get a version that supports up to 12 from the 25th Century website. Or I think they even have like an additional players pack that you could buy to uh, amend the game. If you buy it from Target and then decide that you want more, <laughs> you don't have to buy two copies of the same game. But the game is, I don't know, it feels a little family feud-like, right? So everybody writes down the answer to a question that's in the middle of the table that doesn't really have a correct answer. 
Yeah, you're looking for the most popular answer, right? Yep. So whatever the most popular answer is, is the right answer. And those people are on the green team. Everybody else is on the orange team. Yep. It's a great game because a lot of these questions will get people talking around the table because they just won't agree on something. Mm -hmm. But but it's not like nasty. I mean, it's just like, what are you talking about? That's not how uh, the scariest thing that whatever, whatever, right? These are opinions, not facts. So, I mean, obviously the marshmallow does the most work in the s'more. Oh my gosh. I, really? Are we going to go there again? <laughs> <laughs> I think the marshmallow is what makes a s'more a s'more. Uh, sure. Okay. All right. At least we can agree on that. Okay. And we have found playing this with kids who still struggle a little bit with reading and writing. They can totally play. If you give them enough time, they can draw a picture or for the multiple choices, they're just A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And most kids can handle that. Right. All right, we got one more in this category of games for the whole family. We do. I love this game, too. These are all really good games. I know. Well, that's why we're (laughs) recommending them, because they're really good games. I suppose so. These are games we would give to people in our family as gifts. That's true. So our last choice here is Illiterati. This is an amazing game that took Scrabble-like, Bananagrams-like, word creation and made it into a collaborative cooperative game this is probably the most accessible word game i have played outside of maybe anomia kids which is a word game that doesn't have any writing or reading in it which is really strange but in illiterati you're building words with these letter tiles the theme is weird you're fighting against the evil illiterati i guess to save the world from word crimes or something i don't know but it's really neat to do and once again this is something where playing with our nine-year-old and even with our 12-year-old if they struggled a little bit to figure out how to put words together with the tiles they had in this game it is allowed to share tiles or help somebody put a word together to make it all work Yeah, it is a great way to help your kids along and maybe add a little bit to their vocabulary and kind of talk about Mm -hmm. what makes certain words or how to spell certain words. They might spell something wrong, things like that. You are on a timer, so it's not like you're going to spend a ton of time discussing those things, but it is a great game for this because of its cooperative nature. It is probably the first game I've ever seen where a parent or an adult who is a logophile (laughs) can meaningfully play with a kid who's still struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. You don't have to dumb it down. It just works. All right, Anitra, games for two. Well, these are the games that you and I keep bringing to our breakfast dates. Yes, they are. (laughs) And so so we want to recommend them to everybody else because they're our favorite two-player games to play. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And the first one of these is a game that, you know, if people listen to the show, they've heard us talk about it a bajillion times. <laughs> and that is Jekyll versus Hyde. Yeah. Jekyll versus Hyde is this awesome trick taking game with two players and it can get really intense, but it's short. We really, really love it. <laughs> yeah. I don't really <laughs> know that there's anything else to say about it necessarily, I, right? I think we've talked it up over the last 18 months enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's Jekyll versus Hyde. The next one on our list is a game called Boop. This is a game from Scott Brady, who, by the way, just won the taggy for Game Innovator of the Year for Boop. 
Uh, this is a super cute and a little bit mean game where you play as kittens and cats trying to push each other off of a quilt. Uh, you're trying to make a line of three cats. Oh, right. I'm sorry. You're not trying to push each other off of a quilt. You're trying to make a line of three cats. I, I mean, you are trying to push each other <laughs> off because that's how you're going to make your line of three yep, cats because yep, yep. you have to make lines of three kittens to turn them into cats. And then you have to place cats. Every time cats and kittens jump onto the bed, they push everything around them further away. Mm-hmm. Thanks for nothing, kittens. It can get really strategic and really mean sometimes, but we don't even care because they're so cute. <laughs> they're so cute. They are very cute. I, I have to agree with you on that one. Just like our cats in real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, in this category, another game that we've talked about a lot, and also another game that we bring with us to our breakfast date, <laughs> Royal Visit. This is a game that we heard about from One Board Family over a year ago now. A couple of years ago. Yeah, it is a relatively inexpensive game. Really, all of these are relatively inexpensive. Uh, from Yellow, it is a beautiful game with, with a cloth mat. And it's this really interesting kind of card-based seesaw battle where you're playing cards to draw the king and his court to your duchy on this back-and-forth two-dimensional scale thing. It's gorgeously illustrated, and it's one of those where once you've played it once, you've got the rules. That's kind of true with all three of these games, which is part of why we love them so much. They've got plenty of strategy, but not a huge amount of rules. Mm-hmm. All right, Anitra. Yes. Other things that you have two of. You have two stockings. Well, you have two socks, <laughs> but we're talking about stockings now. <laughs> let's talk about some stocking stuffers, shall we? Sure. Let's talk about some stocking stuffers. So relatively small games, under $20, suitable for lots of different kinds of people. The first one of these is a game called Math Rush. So there's a couple of these different Math Rush games. They all come from Genius Games. It's a math game that doesn't suck. Yeah, I mean, that's the short version. It's math flashcards in the only way I've ever seen them be fun. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, you're performing these arithmetic operations, depending on which version. It might be addition, subtraction, it might be multiplication, whatever. And then you're trying to put them in order based on the result. Yeah. As someone who always struggled with doing this kind of fast math as a kid, and I still honestly kind of struggle with it as an adult, I still really enjoyed this game because it felt like there was a reason to do this math and to try to do it quickly. You are trying to meet as many of these goals in the time limit as you can. And who doesn't like the educational factor there? I mean, you can't complain about that, right? I as mean, parents, anyway. yeah. All right, next is the Sports Dice series. There was another addition to this series this year in Sports Dice Hockey. So we now have Sports Dice Hockey, Soccer, Baseball, and Football. So whatever the fan in your life likes from a sports perspective you know, they've got it in this Sports Dice series, and they're all really similar, and they're all really good. Yeah, they really are good representations of their respective sports in a way that condenses it down to about 20 minutes or so. Yeah, obviously, they're not exact matches to, you know, the various sports. There's too many rules for them to be concise yeah, like that, yeah. but they get the idea across, and they're quick, and they're easy to play and learn. We can't leave stocking stuffers without recommending Similo. Uh, this is, I think, the, its fourth year on the list, but Similo is such a good and compelling game. It's such a wonderfully simple cooperative game that we have to keep recommending it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much automatic. 
at this point on this list. It's something that you can pull out anywhere. Anybody will understand. People will join in. It's uh, actually a scientific fact. It's been scientifically proven <laughs> that people will join in if they see you playing this game because they can. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Next stocking stuffer is possibly the most famous game on this entire list, and that is Sushi Go. So at this point, you can get Sushi Go in a little like tuck box for under $10 at your you know local big box store. Very inexpensive, very easy to understand. Legendary pick and pass game from Phil Walker Harding and Game Right. You can get it in the original tin for $12. Hey, I mean, there you go. it's crazy cheap. Yeah. And even that tin will still fit in a stocking, although it's a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One last recommendation in stocking stuffers. Another one we've talked about a fair bit, but a really good value are the holiday hijinks games. These are an hour or even more of mystery solving fun with a holiday theme. Of course, you can do the Kringle caper to deal with Santa and his missing cookies, but you can also get one that's themed around a romantic Valentine's dinner, trick-or-treating for Halloween, uh, USA history for Independence Day, there's one for Groundhog Day, there's a birthday one that we just recently did, which was really, really enjoyable. All of these are great. All of them are cheap, and we recommend them all. Yep, they're excellent. You can buy them in packs from the Grand Gamers Guild website. Mm-hmm. All right, Andrew, we have one more section left. We have been just ripping through these games, but we've got three more excellent games to recommend. These are games to get everyone playing. You've got non-gamers at your house, and you want to pull something out, or you want to give them something to take home in hopes that they'll catch the bug and come back <laughs> wanting more. We're going to start out with Blob Party. Oh my goodness. This game was so much more fun than it has any right to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, any game that comes with googly eyes is pretty okay in my book, I think. And squishy dough. And squishy dough. <laughs> Blob Party is a, you know, everybody try to guess the same word kind of a game, except you get to represent how good of a job you're doing matching with other people by joining your little squishy blobs together. And the goal is to make one mega blob before your rounds run out. The game is very simple. There's a category deck and a word deck. You flip over a category and a word. Whatever combination it makes, everybody writes a secret answer on their board. Everybody reveals. And if you match, you become a blob. Kind of the goal is, I think it's within like... I think it's seven, seven rounds or something. Something like whatever that, Whatever it yeah. is, to get everybody to, to match. So, so once... A group of people have matched, that collective group will discuss and have one answer. Yeah, that's it. Technically, the game plays up to eight players, but this is another one where you could grab some paper and just pull apart the squishy dough into even smaller blobs mm-hmm. and play with more squishy people. Squishy drops. Uh, our next choice here is another repeat for us Super Mega Lucky Box. This will pull in both 40 and 50 somethings who loved Schoolhouse Rock because everything in the aesthetic is very Schoolhouse Rock. Uh, an electric company style, but it will also pull in Bingo Loving Grandma. This is basically a complicated bingo game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, in much the same way that we talked about Junk Drawer being a simultaneous play game, this is a simultaneous kind of flip and write game where you'll be flipping cards out from a deck and then crossing those numbers out on your point cards that you have in front of you. If you complete lines, it unlocks bonus numbers, and the goal is basically to complete as many cards as you can. It's slightly more complicated than that, but that's the basics of it. And uh, yeah, 
being a loving grandma, you can walk her through, okay, you're only going to cross off this number in one spot. So you have to pick which card you're going to put it on and then she'll get it. And the final game is a game that you have actually already heard us talk about both <laughs> today, yes, <laughs> briefly and in a little bit more detail, and that is CDSK. So this is that monstrous trivia game, 16 players, 2,500 plus questions, a great way to get everybody around the table laughing and trying to measure their own worth in all <laughs> sorts of various categories. So uh, that's it. Our eight categories and 20-something games that <laughs> Do you we want to run through them quickly sure you know what let's start from the end and work our way backwards so right. our get everyone playing games are blob party super mega lucky bucks and cdsk all right and then our stocking stuffers are math rush the sports dice series with hockey soccer baseball and football similo sushi go and the Holiday Hijinks 18-card Escape Room series, of which there are, I think, eight right now. At least six or seven, yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe more by the time this comes out. Our games for two, you have heard us talk about ad nauseum, but they are <laughs> Jekyll versus Hyde, Boop, and Royal Visit. All right, that brings us to Games for the Whole Family. Three excellent games here. Roll to the Top Journeys, Green Team Wins, and Illiterati. Our games for teens and adults are Starry Night Sky, Ra, and Flamecraft. Bennett gets into the games for kids. This group is games for older kids, 10 plus. We have Her Story, Junk Drawer, Disney, Sorcerer's Arena, Epic Alliances, and all of the expansions, and King of Tokyo. Then we've got games for early elementary kids. This is somewhere between six and nine, maybe five and nine. Our recommendations here are Monza, Turtle Splash, and Kids Chronicles, Quest for the Moonstones. And that brings us to our final category, going backwards, of course. Games for the very young. This is kids under six years old. We have Stamp Farm, Disney, It's a Small World, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. So there you have it. A whole bunch of games, and I'm sure that you can find something on this list for all of the gamers in your life. So we've got a full post that you can get to at thefamilygamers.com slash holiday 2023. Or if you go to the show notes for this show, you will see a link to our holiday gift guide. There's Amazon affiliate links in there for all of these games and links to all of our reviews. So you can really get a good sense of what we're talking about with a lot of these recommendations. In the meantime, you can also ask us for advice or say, I like the idea of this game, but I need this one piece to be different. What can you recommend? On all of the various social media, you can find us at Family Gamers AA. Mm -hmm. That's Facebook, Twitter, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You can find us on all those places. Family Gamers AA for Andrew and Anitra. You could also ask in the Facebook community. Easiest way to get there is go to thefamilygamers.com slash community or search for The Family Gamers Community on Facebook. Or you can ask on the Family Tabletop Community on Discord. You can go to thefamilygamers.com forward slash Discord to get a link to get into there. This is a great place where the minds at the Family Gamers have come together with Little Big Thumbs and One Board Family and a few other content creators and we all just kind of share ideas, talk about what we're doing. It's a really great place to be. Of course, you can always email us, andrew at thefamilygamers.com. 
Anitra at thefamilygamers.com. And lest we forget possibly the best gift you could possibly buy someone. Hey, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you can check out our Family Gamers and Play Games with Your Kids merchandise, which includes t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, and more at thefamilygamers.com forward slash merch. Wouldn't your kids love a shirt that says play games with your kids? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Mm-hmm. Please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you're hearing. And tell your friends about the podcast. We get a lot of new listeners from word of mouth, and we really, really appreciate it. Because our goal here is to help you find games to play with the people in your life who you love. You can also leave us a review at Apple Podcast, which is a great way to tell strangers about us. (laughs) But really, just tell somebody. Please, please. All right. The Family Gamers is sponsored by First Move Financial. Go to firstmovefinancial.com slash familygamers to learn how the team at First Move Financial can help you pile up the victory points. All right, Andrew. I think I hear some Christmas music playing. What? And I think maybe now that we've made this whole huge list, we need to figure out what we're buying people for Christmas gifts in our family. That seems like a good idea. So we're going to get to that, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Until then, everybody, play Play games games with with your kids. kids.